You are listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White and today's episode is called Countering Anxiety. Today I really want to talk about staying calm and to talk through some tools that you can use to dial down anxiety. I feel pretty qualified to talk about this because I've had anxiety my whole life. I don't want to say that I've struggled with it, but I want to say that I've had it. I want to be really separate from anxiety and to not make it part of who I am. I've had anxiety as a small child and a teenager and less so as an adult, but it's definitely come and gone. These days I largely have a handle on it and that's because I've used a lot of tools to help me manage it. And I do want to say that because anxiety has been with me for so long, I didn't really realise what it was at first. And that might be relevant for some of you. I'll talk more about that later in the episode. But by the end of this episode, I hope that you have some ideas on how to tame the anxiety that you might be feeling from time to time, especially right now, and to know that you have so much power within you to do this. It's not that you're broken or that you need fixing or that there's anything wrong with you. There are simply a few things that you can do yourself to take charge. So before we talk about that, I just want to talk about the difference between stress and anxiety so that you're really clear on what you might be experiencing. Stress often has a root cause because it's a response to a perceived threat. So it's like standing in front of a bear and the bear growls and you crap your pants and you run in the other direction. That's obviously a fight or flight response. And so Anxiety, on the other hand, may be a reaction to stress, but it might also have no apparent root cause. Anxiety is more a sense of heightened tension or a persistent feeling of apprehension. So let's talk about some of the signs of stress. They could include low energy, headaches, an upset stomach, aches and pains, heart palpitations, a loss of libido, chest pains, skin rashes, insomnia, and frequent colds and infections because the stress hormones when they're constantly elevated can weaken your immune system. So there's some of the signs of stress. Now according to Beyond Blue there are three types of anxiety symptoms and these are some of the same but a few different ones too. Some of the physical symptoms could include panic attacks, hot and cold flushes, a racing heart, tightening of the chest, quick breathing, restlessness, feeling wound up and edgy. There are psychological symptoms including excessive fears, worry, catastrophizing or obsessive thinking. And there are behavioral symptoms that are largely about avoiding any situations that cause anxiety. So if you're someone that tends to try and avoid lots of situations, it could be an anxiety response. And as I said before, the thing about anxiety is that if you've lived with it a long time, you might not really be aware of it or how it's showing up in your body or in your mind or in your life because anxiety is your state of normal. So let's talk about what creates anxiety and how to counter anxiety. I don't want to talk too much about what creates anxiety. I don't want to dwell on it and make this a negative podcast, but I just really want to say enough about it so that you can tell for yourself whether anxiety is something that you need to be looking at and potentially working on resolving. So what does cause anxiety? 
Well, some of us have won the genetic lotto and we're free of it, but for others, we may have a genetic predisposition to anxiety. Aside from that, though, anxiety is largely caused by our thinking patterns, which is great news because your thoughts are just about one of the only things you can control in life. So how that might show up is a racing mind or a lot of worries, a sense of feeling overwhelmed or a sense that you've had a loss of control. You might find yourself ruminating on things or catastrophizing. I am or have been in the past a master catastrophizer. I was conditioned that way and I could turn anything into a catastrophe. (laughs) But the flip side of that is it's great when it comes to writing marketing copy. (laughs) It's a very helpful skill. That rumination or catastrophizing can happen at any time, but it often likes to pop up at about three o'clock in the morning when you can't sleep and suddenly your head is full of this busy stuff that you're winding around and around. As I mentioned, some people may not be attuned to these things because it feels normal, so you don't think that there's anything unusual or super challenging. Maybe you think that's just how life is. But I encourage you to really look at all of the signs that might be showing up for you to see if you need to resolve anxiety. I first noticed it as nail biting, as picking the skin around my fingers, as endlessly twirling my hair, nervous twitches, shallow rapid breathing, and an inability to sit still. So there are a lot of physical symptoms for me that I noticed well before the psychological symptoms. And I would say that one of the hardest things for an anxious person is to sit still because when we're left alone with our thoughts and our difficult emotions, it's really uncomfortable. So we prefer to be moving all the time. Another thing that can happen is if you're feeling stressed or more particularly anxious, you might find yourself reaching for alcohol or chocolate or crunchy foods or savory foods or caffeine to try and manage your energy and your emotions. None of that's obviously very helpful, so let's talk about how to counter anxiety because this is where the joy is. (laughs) So since anxiety largely starts in your brain, in your mind, and there's so much movement and energy around it, then the principles to countering anxiety, I think, lie around three areas. Firstly, slowing down. Secondly, single tasking instead of multitasking. And thirdly, being more mindful. I want to talk to you about some ideas now to get you thinking about how you can introduce more slowness and stillness and presence into your life in a way that feels safe, comfortable and calm, in a way that you can control. Let's say that it's really important first up to start your day off right in a calm, slow and leisurely way. I invite you to think about what that would create for you. What would life be like for you if you started the day feeling calm? And how might you do that? It could involve swapping a caffeinated drink for a non-caffeinated drink first thing in the morning. It might be about having breakfast with some protein in it to help balance your blood sugar and maintain a calm level energy. It might be about including vegetables or fresh fruits in your breakfast so that you're getting a lot of vitamins and minerals and plant factors that can counteract the effects of stress in your body. A lot of people find it's helpful to include some movement at the start of the day to calm down anxiety. And that 
is best if it's an, ac- an activity that allows you to be present and mindful. So not rushing through a high intensity fitness class necessarily. It's maybe more something like a walk in nature or some rhythmic movement like swimming or surfing where you have this repetitive motion that's really calming, like a moving meditation, you could say, or just being in the garden, watering the plants. For some people, it's more specific and targeted, like meditation or yoga, to create a calm mental energy that will allow you to feel focused and clear-headed and level-headed when you start the day. And in terms of getting through your day, if you're a naturally anxious person, you can find it really easy to start getting wound up with all of the pressures that come with your daily work or life. So I think the key to managing anxiety is to make sure that you're just doing a bare minimum of things you need to get done each day. And if you have the capacity for more, then go for it. But the bare minimum of things means leaving plenty of time to do each task and therefore plenty of white space in your diary. So you're not scheduling stuff back to back. This is a mistake I made. I thought, gee, I need to have a a full schedule and be clear on what I'm doing. But I realized that I didn't have enough room or mental capacity to necessarily do all of those things. So you've got to figure out what your sweet spot is. Maybe for you, it's doing three things a day or five things a day or one thing a day. You may need to experiment to work that out. My work involves a lot of coaching conversations and a bit of teaching and a lot of time problem solving and strategizing. It's usually my clients that are doing that for themselves. My job is to ask questions that will help them to pull out their own answers. So I really need to be calm and present. That means for me, I need to be disciplined around my boundaries with my work. It also means that my capacity to really be present for my clients, to just be listening to them and asking them questions about themselves, I can do about five sessions a day, sometimes more, but that's about my limit. I've realized that if I'm a bit tired or stressed, I need to probably block out a day or maybe reschedule some appointments so that I can show up as my best and my calmest and to be totally present in those sessions. So for me, coaching is a gift because it requires me to be mindful and present. It forces me to slow down, and that's exactly what I need. If I'm feeling rushed or going too fast, wound up on caffeine or haven't eaten well, then it's going to affect the quality of the conversations I'm having and limit my ability to listen. So as you can tell, the good part about this The good thing that you need to do to make this happen is to set boundaries that are realistic and healthy. And that means you'll be able to do what you need to do and still be calm at the end of the day instead of getting progressively wound up. That may mean you need to schedule in a lunch break and stick to it. It may mean you need to schedule in some activity or it may mean that you only check email twice a day for 10 minutes a time, something like that. People often say to me, how do you get so much done? You seem to be so productive. And it's simply because I'm calm and I don't take on too much and I finish things as I go. This has been a long-term thing for me that I've had to learn how to do. I I used to work in a very high-pressure industry in environmental consulting. It was long days and heavy deadlines and a lot of staff that I was responsible for. 
So I had learned some anxiety-producing habits that I needed to get out of. It's been hard for me to get into this slower, calmer routine. It feels like I'm running below capacity, but actually it's been so worth it. The multitasking has ended and it took discipline for me to do one thing at a time, but doing that has given me a real sense of achievement. It feels way better to do one thing properly and finish it than to try and do five things at a time and not get any of them done or finished or done properly. I now expect so much less of myself and this has lowered my anxiety and I actually get more done. And part of that is I have boundaries around the weekend too. No work on the weekend. I switch off on Friday afternoon and I come back on Monday. So I've had to experiment to figure those things out, but now I'm in this really great flow. In the evenings, I'm feeling really organized because I do meal prep. It's so helpful for staying calm and it allows me to eat slow, relaxed meals because I often have to teach at night for the coach training school that I work for. So to achieve that during the week, I spend about two hours late on a Sunday afternoon. While I'm getting dinner ready, I make up some delicious salads and some proteins for lunch during the week and I think about what dinners will be had on which nights depending on my work commitments. So it's not a really formal structured thing. I just look ahead to the week and think about what my commitments are and what we might eat on those nights and how I'll need to prepare that. So just getting it into my head and maybe writing down a few ideas on a bit of paper means that I don't have to make decisions in the moment when I'm busy and when I'm likely to have decision fatigue. That's so helpful. The last thing is that before bed, I need to wind down. If I have to teach or coach in the evening and I'm in front of my computer, I can't necessarily avoid that, but I can have a really good pre-bed ritual. Mine is to spend time reading a book. I love fiction to help me wind down, get my mind into a different place and to empty the day from my head. But other things that I do might be to have a long chat with my husband about things that have happened in the day or maybe to just simply stare into space and think of nothing in a hot shower. Yes, it can waste a bit of water doing that. So maybe the shower first and the staring into space second. <laughs> if you're interested in learning how to slow down your mind, you may be interested in a book called The Practicing Mind by Thomas M. Stirner, which covers a lot of these principles. It was a really great book and a game changer for me, particularly around single tasking. So just to wrap up this episode, some of us are wired for anxiety. We may be in the habit of creating anxiety with our repetitive daily thought patterns, but there are a range of things that you can do to slow down, to simplify and to stay mindful so that you can counter anxiety and remain calm and focused. I hope this has been helpful for you and I would love to know what you do to stay calm. You can contact me on www.melaniejwhite.com forward slash contact. I would love to hear what you're doing to stay calm. Thanks for listening. I hope you stay well. I hope you stay safe and I hope you stay calm. I'll see you next time.